0: time favorites. Pastor Eugene said it was, was his favorite show. If you remember, those of you that followed Star Trek, um, the crew of the Starship Enterprise set out on a five-year mission, and their goal was to explore strange new worlds and to go where no man had gone before. And the interesting thing was that they did this one week at a time each episode was a a brand new adventure they knew they were going for five years but each week was a brand new adventure and my question is this if the crew of the enterprise had known all of the things that they were going to encounter along the way would they have gone out on their five-year mission And the same is for us, although, although he knows God often doesn't tell us everything that lies ahead of us, and probably for the same reason. I believe that he knows that if we knew all of the things that we were to face in the future and all of the details, that we would be scared to go there and we would live our lives in fear. So instead, we live it one episode at a time, like the crew of the Starship Enterprise, so God in His wisdom and His mercy leads us one step at a time to places we never imagined that we were capable of going. He leads us one step at a time to accomplish feats that we would have said were impossible. And that is the believer's version of exploring new worlds and going where no man has gone before. And today we're going to look at Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-21. through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Oftentimes when the announcement is made, when there's going to be a, a, an acting out of the nativity scene, the roles of Mary and Joseph are often the, the coveted roles the little girl that gets to play Mary runs home and says, I get to be Mary in the, in the Christmas pageant. Or the, the little boy that gets to be Joseph goes home and says, I get to be Joseph in the Christmas pageant. As opposed to being a star or a sheep or a bush. Yet if we look closely at Joseph, we see that initially he didn't want any part of this nativity scene. And understandably so. Here was this young girl Mary maybe as young as 15 or 16, that he was engaged to, and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. In Jewish culture, look, a little background on that, in Jewish culture, an engaged couple were considered husband and wife after their families contracted the marriage. And I say contracted marriage because in that day, many of the marriages were prearranged by family. And even though they were under contract at the time, they would not live together until a... A betrothal period of one year had passed. Now before the contract took place, the father of the bride would give a pledge as to the purity of his daughter. And this year of waiting was to demonstrate the integrity of that pledge. That he said, my daughter's pure, and so we're going to give it a year and we'll just see. It was a way of proving she wasn't pregnant when they got married. It was one thing. That she, right, that she wasn't, they didn't get married because she was pregnant. After the year of waiting was over, the couple would have a wedding celebration and then they would consummate their marriage. Since Joseph and Mary were still in the betrothal period and had not consummated the marriage, Mary's pregnancy probably would come as quite a shock to Joseph. And be honest, all you guys, if you were engaged, and you'd never slept with your fiancé, and she told that that she was pregnant, what would you think? Well, that's probably what Joseph thought too. You see, at this point, Joseph didn't know who the father was. He only knew it wasn't him. So his plan was to divorce her quietly. And there was a couple of legal options that he had. The first option was to have her put to death by stoning The law required stoning for a woman guilty of infidelity. However, at this point, it was rarely practiced because the, the Jews were under Roman rule, and they just didn't allow that kind of thing. So that was probably not even an option that Joseph thought of. The second option was to expose her to public disgrace. Or he could write a certificate that would annul the marriage He could have it witnessed by two or three witnesses, and then he could quietly send her away somewhere else out of town where she could have the baby and raise the child elsewhere. And Joseph was pondering that and thought, that's probably best. I really don't want to embarrass her, so we'll just do that and we'll send her away. And Joseph was a good man, and because he was a good man, he was torn as to what the right thing to do was. In fact, Matthew called Joseph a righteous man in verse 19. And because Joseph was a righteous man, he wanted to deal with Mary's perceived infidelity in a quiet way rather than a public way. And it wasn't totally for her benefit either. Keep in mind, if Joseph married Mary when he thought she had been unfaithful, he would indirectly be acknowledging that he was the father of the child. And then it would put him in a guilt-by-association type situation. Everybody would say... Well, she's, she's pregnant, you were engaged to her, so you must be the father. And unlike today's society, that was not acceptable back then. Today it really doesn't seem to make much difference to people as to when a child is born, but that's another story. For a man of integrity like Joseph, that was an unthinkable threat on his reputation. After all, he hadn't done anything wrong. But then in the middle of all of this, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And he tells Joseph in verse 20, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, if it were us, it would probably been what we would say said to the angels. That's easy for you to say. You don't have to live in this town. You're getting ready to go back to where you came from. But think of what Joseph was having to face himself. We we always think, and, and we should, we always think of Mary and what she went through, but think of Joseph and what he was facing too. Because at the time, to be in this situation was a humiliation. And on top of everything else, he hadn't done anything. So he's going to be humiliated for something he never even did. But he's still facing it, and an angel has said, Just keep going like you're going. Everything's fine. But the angel didn't stop there. He explained a little bit more to Joseph. In fact, he said that the child that Mary was carrying was God's child. Didn't stop there. He said it would also be the Messiah, the King of the Jews that they had been waiting for for centuries. Every young woman dreamed that she would be the mother of the Messiah. And now Joseph being told that his bride-to-be is that very person. And so when the angel told Joseph to take Mary home, he did just that. And by doing that, he showed that his trust in the Lord was really great and that he was a righteous man. You see, his reputation was still at stake, yet he submitted to the will of God. He said... I don't really, I'm not going to worry about what people think about me. This is what God told me to do, and so I'm just going to go do it. That's right. Joseph knew that Mary was not guilty of any immorality at this point. And he really just didn't care what people thought. And although many of her friends and family probably presumed otherwise, he would not let that deter his obedience to God. I don't care what you people are saying. I know the truth about this situation. I'm going to do what God told me to do. Matthew 1, 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph obeyed the angel's words, but he and Mary still did not consummate their marriage until after the birth of Jesus. And again, this underscores Joseph's personal righteousness and high respect for the prophecy being fulfilled through Mary. He didn't have to believe that that angel was telling the truth. He could have said it was just a dream and it didn't mean anything. But there was something in Joseph's heart, because he was a righteous man, that said, you know what, this is something different. And I'm going to be obedient... And I'm going to go where no man has gone before. I'm going to go out in public with my wife who is pregnant and we're going to tell everybody that it's of the Holy Spirit. How many people do you think really believed Him? If any. Probably not very many, if any. Everybody would go, yeah, Mm mm-hmm, heard that before. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 15. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a... Nope, we're not there yet. That's right. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother... And escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew two nineteen through 23 So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Again, here we see that Joseph is going places where he really didn't have any idea what was going to happen. The baby's born. An angel says, now I want you to go to Egypt. But we don't, we don't know anybody there. So they go to Egypt. They stay for a while. And then an angel comes and says, now you can go back to Israel. All of this because Joseph is believing and trusting in God. When we are faced with a decision, we often seek God's guidance in what to do. And how should we expect to receive his guidance? For me, I have to tell you, it's usually I want an audible voice that comes out of heaven and then something in writing. I recently told someone that when when I ask God for guidance, I believe that He will guide me. It's just that when He speaks to me, I don't always hear it, so I need a little nudge. But Joseph went with just what he was told. As for Joseph, he received guidance in four different dreams, four different times in his life. Here's a guy that was perfectly happy being a carpenter had a nice little wood shop, made little things, knew he was going to get married, was excited about that, and then everything in his life is turned upside down. And he's still obedient to God in the middle of all the turmoil. While it is possible that God does, and He does, speak to us through dreams, and He does guide us directly in that manner, we find his, his guidance more often in our day, I believe, through his word and through the Spirit. John fourteen, sixteen through seventeen. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. In John sixteen, thirteen and f- through fifteen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from me what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In other words, we can expect the Spirit to lead us, but first we have to be full of the Spirit. If the Spirit is in us, the Spirit will speak to us and will guide us and direct us in the place that we should go. You see, Joseph didn't have the spirit in him yet. that was before the the Holy Ghost had come, so it was det- what he did had to be determined through some other ways, and that was through a dream and an angel spoke to him, and he was still obedient. And so we see here that the spirit can lead us and help us understand the things of God that we otherwise would not understand. Things that God would lead us to do and we'd go, well, that doesn't make any sense. But we know it's the Spirit that's drawing us to do it, and we do it anyway. God wants us to come to Him for guidance. Too many times I believe we feel like, well, you know, I really shouldn't bother God with that. It's not true. Look what it says in James 1 and 15, or 1 and 5, rather. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If we lack wisdom, then we should go to God for it. If we are faced with a situation that we don't know what to do, what should we do? God, I just don't know what to do here. I can't figure this out. It doesn't make any sense to me. But it says right here that if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask God for wisdom. God, help me to to figure out what to do in this situation. I'm sure there were times that Joseph, as he was traveling to Egypt after this baby had been born and all of the things that had happened in his life, and, and now he's headed to Egypt to a place where it was not family. It was just getting away. They were hiding out. I'm sure that along this way, somewhere in the back of his mind, he's thinking, did I hear him right? Am I really sure that he said, go to Egypt? And that's the amazing thing is, we, we have all of these examples in the Bible, and yet we find it very, very difficult for us to do ourselves, even though that we see when those people follow the leading of the Spirit, the leading of God that it worked out just like God said it would. David, if we stop and think what we uh, know in our heart and didn't do, and we realize if we hadn't stopped and thought when we got a message and done it, rather than wait for proof, sure. we would have been a lot better off. That's right. God also uses the Word to guide us. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 15-17. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can look to the Word of God for guidance. The Spirit will speak to us, and sometimes we go, well, I don't really know if that was the Spirit... And we open our Bible and we start to read and the Spirit will direct us to a passage and we'll see that, you know what? It confirmed what the Spirit spoke to me. So the Spirit leads us. We're led by the Word of God. But the thing is, this this Bible, this Word of God that we have is not just a rule book. It's a guide. The answers to life's problems are found in here, but we have to read it It's kind of like a map that you you have in your glove box. If you leave it in your glove box, you can still get lost because it's in the glove box. And you can carry your Bible around all the time, but if you don't ever open it up and see what it has to say, it's hard to hear what God is speaking to us and how he's trying to guide us. And I believe it's important for us to realize there's people who say, yeah, I read my Bible. And they do read it. But they read it with their eyes. And they get through the passage of Scripture and then they leave it at that. I believe that when we read the Word, in order to be led by the Word, we have to read it with our heart. And we have to look at it and say, God, as I read this, speak to me as to what this means to me. God also speaks to us through the counsel of other people. Proverbs 15 and 32, or 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now I will say this can be a, a touchy subject. Not every advice you get is good. And I believe Solomon was speaking of with many good advisors they succeed. When we are faced with some difficult situations, it seems that there's an awful lot of people around become experts on what we should do. And although Solomon said in his writings here in Proverbs that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed, I don't, mean, I don't think it means that we have to listen to every person. But I do believe this. When we do listen, it should be someone who has a history of listening to the voice of God. Here's a good test for wise counsel. Godly counsel will always line up with the Word of God. If somebody comes to you and and you are having, let's say you're having financial problems, and they come to you and say, here, I've got the answer for you. You need to go rob a bank. Mm. I don't think that's from God. Because wise counsel will always match up with the Word of God. And that's why we have all of these different things to help us and guide us in in our walk with God. We have the Spirit that lives in us. We have the Word of God. We have counsel from those, our brothers and sisters, as long as it matches up with the Word of God. And then we can know that we're headed in the right direction. We also receive counsel through our faith and trust in God. in the fact that we have to believe that He knows what is best for us. If we don't believe in our heart that God really knows and wants what is best for us, how can we trust Him? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. what we have to realize is that the direction that God leads us in will often not fit into our limited understanding of how things should be. Amen. I'm sure none of the things that happened in Joseph's life really made sense to him. If we're really honest, it's, you know, the Christmas story is just an incredible story. But we're looking at it from here back Joseph was living it day by day. I believe we also need to be cautious in how we make decisions and the time that we spend in making the decisions. I believe we need to use all of the resources that are provided to us in order to make decisions. Proverbs 19 and 2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor be hasty and miss the way. Excitement is good. Determination is good. But they have to be tempered with knowledge. You can't go through life with the the idea, well, let's just do something even if it's wrong. No, because if you do it and it's wrong, it sometimes takes a long time to fix it. Think it through. Use the resources that God has given to each of us as Christians and as believers. Use all of those resources to make those decisions and don't just jump right into it. And if we're really following the leading of the Spirit, we will know when it's right. I believe the only thing that Joseph really had to go on at the time is that in his heart, because he was a righteous man, in his heart he felt like he was doing the right thing. It wasn't because it made sense. And as with Joseph, God's guidance usually comes in increments rather than all at once. And I believe that's because He wants us to look at Him and trust Him continually, not just when we can't figure it out or after we've already messed it up. If He gave us all the answers at one time, we couldn't handle it. We would be overwhelmed with the things that we're faced with. So instead, God gives us those things as we travel along the journey. It's kind of like if I asked Brother Ashley, come up here and we blindfold him and we point him in that direction and we said, okay, now I'm going to give you directions to the fellowship hall. Take a step, take a step, take a step. And when he got to the back, we'd say, okay, now turn left, take a step. And we gave Him directions one step at a time. If we just blindfold Him and put Him up here and said, go to the fellowship hall, it might be entertaining, but it wouldn't be good. And God does that to us because He wants us to trust. I'm sure that before we spoke the next direction, Brother Ashley would be, listened carefully. Where do I go next? come on, I'm listening. And that's how we should walk through our lives with Christ is we should go one step at a time and when we don't hear the direction, we kind of stop and go, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening for the directions. But too many times, we just go charging right through. I know how to do this. And although Brother Ashley has walked from here out to that fellowship hall many times, if he didn't see what the next step brought, he could get in trouble. And not only did Joseph hear the direction of God, he also followed and obeyed the directions. And too many times I believe that we ask God for direction and then we think about it and go, "Hmm, I don't think so but you asked for directions and I gave them to you. But I don't like those directions. It's not what Joseph did and it's really—it's not the way we should live our lives too. Again, think of the example of having someone blindfolded and we're giving directions to the fellowship hall. We say, okay, now stop, turn to the left. I don't think I want to do that. But you can't see what's ahead of you. You're blindfolded. Yeah, I've done this before. And until you bang into the wall and then you go, okay, now help me. And that's what we do so many times in our lives is we hear the Word of God, we hear the leading of the Spirit, we hear the godly counsel of others, and we go, no, I got this. And boom, we run into a wall and then we're looking for answers. When it would be easier just to listen step by step as God leads us. Jesus was born at the time of the reign of Herod the Great. And we've spoken of him before. Herod the Great was a a cruel and evil leader. He ordered the deaths of many of his friends and associates. He ordered the death of one of his wives and even ordered the death of two of his sons. He was a real family man. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the East and have come to worship him. So these these wise men come from the Far East and they they come to Jerusalem and they say, We've heard we've seen the star and we've been following the star for a long time, and we've heard that there's this one that's born king of the Jews. And Herod goes, The the what? The king of the Jews. You don't understand I'm king of the Jews. Well, no, we've we've heard that there's one that's just been born that's going to be the king of the Jews. And Herod gets all upset. And he's shaken up and he says, uh, you know what? Tell me a little bit more about this. Well, we've been traveling, following this star, and we've come all of this way so that we could worship him. Ooh, now he's really stirred up. And Herod says, you know what? Hey, that's a good idea. Do you know where this king of the Jews is? And they said, no, not exactly, but there was this prophecy that we were told that he would be in Bethlehem. And Herod said, well, good. I got an idea. Why don't you go find him? And then after you find him, come back and tell me where he is because I want to go worship him too. Liar. He wanted to go kill him. So the wise men leave and they go, okay, sure, whatever, Herod, we'll be back. And they go and they find the baby Jesus. But while they're there, they're alerted in a dream also to return home a different direction. The angel tells them, don't go back through Jerusalem. Take the bypass and go around. And go on back home, but don't go back and tell Herod, because he doesn't really need to know. And after the wise men had gone, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Now keep in mind, Joseph or Jesus at this point is probably between one and two years old. We always see the nativity scene of the, the, the little place where they are and baby Jesus and the sheep and the goats and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the wise men. Wise men weren't there. They were still getting there. They were late. He was, it was probably a couple years down the road before the wise men showed up at Jesus' house. But at this time, Joseph gets a, another dream and, and an angel appears to him again. And, and by now, this paranoid dictator, Herod, is on a rampage and he's decided since I don't know who this baby is, I don't know where he lives, we'll just kill all the male babies under two years old. I'll get him eventually. So the angel tells Joseph, you really need to get out of town. You need to go to Egypt. So they did. They stayed there until after the death of Herod. After Herod dies, an angel appears again to Joseph and says, now you can go back to Israel. Well, Herod's son had taken over, and he was just as bad as Herod, so they decided not to go back to Bethlehem. Instead, they settled in, in an area of Galilee named Nazareth. And it was actually Mary and Joseph's hometown. And this actually fulfilled a prophecy that said that this one that was to come would be called a Nazarene. Oh, that just happened that way. No, it didn't just happen that way. The prophecy was fulfilled exactly the way it was given. So we see that All through Joseph's life, he was a man that listened listened to God's counsel. And it would be easy for us to look at this story and say, I would have done the same thing. I would have done that too. Well, it's easy for us to say because we're looking at the entire story from beginning to end. We're looking at the, the beginning and the, prof, the, the angel coming and saying, okay, you, you need to do this, you need to do this. Oh, yeah, I would have done that too. Well, yeah, you say you would because you know it worked out okay. But Joseph wasn't there. Joseph was going into strange new worlds and where no man had gone before. Just like the Starship Enterprise. He didn't have the end of the story. He had to go on the leading of God. And there's times in our, our lives we have nothing to go on except the leading of God. We don't see the end of the story. We don't have a book that's all written out and we can go skip to the end of the story and go, oh yeah, it worked okay. It, it all worked out for Joseph. He's okay. We don't have that for ourselves. He lived every day of his life exactly like we do, only knowing what's right now and trusting in what was going to happen tomorrow. And we, sometimes we place people in the Bible as being above human. No. They were just human. They had the same fears. They had the same doubts. They had the same conflicts in their lives. As we do, oh yeah, but they're in the Bible. Well, it's just because they happened to be in part of the story. They were still human beings. They went through all of the same things that we do. I'm sure there were many times, as godly a man, as righteous a man as Joseph was, there was many times that he looked at his situation and went, "What have I done?" That's right. He was exactly like us. And, and, and we have to, it, when we hang on to that and we read the Bible, knowing that these were all just ordinary people, all of a sudden it makes God even greater than the way we pictured Him before. Because these people didn't do it on their own. They did it by the leading of God. And we can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's why it is so important for us to be open to the many ways that God speaks to us and the many ways of types of guidance that God will provide to us if we will just listen. So we all have this commonality with Joseph in that we are human and can't see the future, but it's not the only thing we have in common with him. We serve the same God as he did. And the same God that saw Joseph's future sees our future. Yeah, but they were special. They had some really special things that they accomplished, but they were just people. And then there's this thing that pops up. About the time we start to trust. But what if? And I am, I'm going to be honest with you. Those are words that have come out of my mouth more than once. And probably that's true. If we were all honest, we would have to admit we've all said that. And since we can't see what tomorrow has in store, it's not an uncommon thing for us to say out loud, but, but what if? God, I do trust You. And I I see in Your Word that You will lead us and You'll guide us and Your Spirit is there and I have those people around me that are giving me godly counsel. But what if it doesn't work out that way? 2 Peter 1 and 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. He has given us everything we need for life. And even if we do say what if, we can still be assured that He has given us everything that we need for life. Sometimes it's step by step. Because we don't see the big picture like God does. But we do have the promise that if we follow His leading, that He will take us in the right direction. Just recently, we've been making some some big decisions. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. Hey, buddy. It's difficult sometimes to to figure out exactly where God wants us to be sometimes. Because we don't see what God sees. He sees from from up here, He sees the big picture. He saw when we were born, and at the same time He saw we were born, He saw the end of our life and everything in between. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I'm lucky if I remember what happened yesterday. But right now, we're in, in making a, a lot of decisions. And I have to tell you, I'm not really good at change. And in, in this process of making these decisions, I've asked God, you know, don't just kind of tell me what I'm supposed to do. I need you to kind of push me a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. And we've prayed. And, and what I was looking for was I was thinking about moving my business to another location. And that's difficult because I don't like change. I don't like to move. But I set out last week one day. I said, I'm just going to go see. God, just help me to see the right people here. And within two hours of the time I left my office, I was standing inside a place with the owner of a building. And everything that I had said, this is what I really would like, was right there. And and the lady, even, I even threw in a little extra thing. She said it was going to be this much a month. And before I got there, I said, God, I really would like for like the first three months it to be a little bit less. And so I presented it to her and she said, Sure, that's no problem. And then she went on and said, And, and don't even worry about the security deposit. Well, praise God. But you know what? When I left my office to go out and set out to try to do that, I was scared to death. And I knew that God was capable, but I just wondered if He would. See, there's a difference in knowing that God is able and believing that He will because of that right there. What if? What if He doesn't come through this time? It's like we go back to Peter when he was on the boat and the disciples are out on the boat and Jesus is coming, walking on the water. And, and Jesus is walking on the water and Jesus says to Peter, as Pastor Majin said last week, He said, Peter, hey, come out here and join me on the water. Uh, okay. Let's see. I've never walked on water before. Okay, I'll do that, Jesus. I'm getting ready to jump out of the boat here. And you know in the back of Peter's mind, he's thinking, what if I sink? I am going to look so stupid. But he stepped off the boat on the water. That feels okay. And he started walking on water. And the next thing you know, he's headed towards Jesus walking on the water going, look at me. But then he starts asking in the back of his mind, this starts popping up, but what if this next step doesn't work well? What happened? He started to sink. And Jesus picks him up and takes him to the boat. So we can see that some of the greatest men that have ever lived, the greatest men of God that have ever walked on the face of the earth, at times have had this same question go through their mind, what if God's not there for this next step? And we want to know when and how. Taylor? This is my friend Taylor. Good the church. <laughs> this is my guitar teacher. And my friend. Most of the time, the problem isn't that we don't trust God, it's that we don't understand His timing. since we live in a world of, of microwave meals and drive through restaurants, if you want to call them that, we want everything right now. The thought of having to actually stop and park the car and walk inside and have to wait for ten minutes to get a food is just, can't do that. I'm going to stay in my car and drive around the building. Because we don't want to wait. We want what we want, and we want it now. And so many times we trust God and we say, God, I'll place my life in Your hands, but You need to do what You're going to do right now. When we realize our timing and God's timing, they're not the same. Look at 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God doesn't wear a watch. God always existed, and he will always exist. So he doesn't have a calendar. You see, if if you always existed and always will, you don't need a calendar because time just doesn't matter. Let's see, this is the bazillionth day, and this is bazillion and one. No, you just don't keep up with it. Because He has always existed, He is everywhere. So timing is not really like ours. We wander around with a watch and we look at the clock all the time, and we wonder when this is going to happen, and we know that we only have so many years on this earth, and that's why we become so concerned with timing. But He always was and always will be. We need to realize that God is leading us, sometimes one step at a time, but He is still leading us. And He provides for us because He loves us. And He will not lead us someplace that is going to harm us. But then again, He won't stop us from going someplace if we just insist that that's where we're going to go despite where He leads us. Now David, I want you to go down this road right here. Yeah, I know God, that sounds good, but I'm going to go this way. That's not going to be the best thing for you. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to take my chances. And we go, well, I would never do that. But we do. But look at Joseph's life. Here is this man that was a simple carpenter. He was just an ordinary man that made stuff out of wood. And all of a sudden, he finds himself faced with this huge dilemma that his 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 fiance is pregnant, and he didn't do it, and now... There's this king that wants to kill the baby after the baby's born and he has to move way, way away. I didn't sign up for this, God. I'm just a carpenter. Now what about the what-ifs? Philippians 4 and 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will meet your needs. He will take care of you. That is a promise to you. It's not just something written in the Bible. It is a promise to you that my God will meet all my needs according to His riches in glory. The thing about Joseph is that I believe that many times in his life, he found himself in a place he had never been before. And recently I have found myself in that same place. And I have found myself saying to people, I've never been here before. This particular place of my life, I've just never been before. Things in my life were going along like this, and now they're not really going like that, and I'm just not, I'm not familiar with this area. Kind of like the crew on the Starship Enterprise. Strange new worlds. Going where no man has gone before, and that's kind of the way I feel sometimes. I know God is real. I know God is taking care of me. I know God is leading and guiding me, but I've just never been here before. Maybe you've never been where you are either. Maybe you look around this morning and you say, I I don't know what's going on in my life. have just never been to this place before. And you find yourself questioning all the things and the events of your life. You don't look shocked when I say this, but It's okay. It's okay to question that. Because we're still human beings. And we don't understand everything. If somebody tells you, oh, I never question that. I just, God tells me to do something, I just do it. That's not true. You'd like to think that's the way you do, but we all question that from time to time. (laughs) If God didn't think that there would be times that we would question, then why do we have so many different examples in the Word of God? If we would never question, there would only be one example in here. And we'd read it and go, okay, I'm fine with that. But we see person after person, from Abraham to Job to Joseph, to person after person that has served God and lived for God and still, at some point in their life, question and say, Am I doing the right thing? John the Baptist found himself in prison. And after all of the things he had done, and he would preached these great messages, and people had come and repented, and he had baptized all these people in the Jordan River, and now he finds himself in prison. And what did he do? He called some of his disciples together. He said, look, do me a favor. Go and find Jesus and ask Him this question. Are you really the Messiah or should we look for someone else? That's what it says. Even this great man of God questioned whether or not he was on the right path. So if you do that, that's okay. As long as you remember that God is always going to be there, and if you follow his leading, he will always take care of you, and he will always lead you in the direction that you should go. Right. See, here's the thing. I want I want us all to realize that if we question and say, "Well, what if?" God knew we were going to do that before we ever thought it. So the Starship Enterprise and its crew, Captain Kirk and Mister Spock, all the guys, they had nothing on Joseph. When it came to setting out to to new places where no one had ever gone before, Joseph was a pioneer of that. But as incredible and fantastic as the life of Joseph seems to us, your life is just as important to God as Joseph's was. Yeah, but he 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 was a great man. He was a carpenter. He was a simple man. It had a great calling. And each of us are exactly the same thing. We're simple people, but we have a great calling. And just as God supplied every one of Joseph's needs, He will supply every one of our needs if we too follow as He leads us step by step. God bless you.